morning and welcome to the Wednesday Reflection from St Anne's in Egberth. Have you ever asked the question, why should God answer our prayers? Now I'm not asking will God answer our prayers, let's assume correctly I think that he is able to answer our prayers. But why should God answer our prayers? Have you ever wondered that? What right do we have to ask God for things? In fact, if you had to give a reason every time you prayed, what reason would you give for asking God to answer your prayers? Well, today I want us to think about a passage from Matthew's Gospel that I think deals with this very issue. It's a passage that's got a few uncomfortable bits to it. Jesus doesn't act quite how we expect him to. So let's have a read and then we can have a think about it. So it's Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman came from that vicinity, came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that very moment. So, quite a bit going on there. In fact, on the face of it at the start, Jesus sounds a bit, well, a bit racist, doesn't he? And possibly even a bit sexist too. And it also sounds a bit like he changes his mind once the woman um, gives him what for. You see, here's a woman with a terrible problem. Her daughter is suffering terribly. She's desperate. And so she approaches Jesus, begging him for help. But he just ignores her. He doesn't seem to care. Jesus ignores someone who's desperate. That's pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? And we read that it's down to her being a Canaanite, the historical enemies of the Jewish people. Is Jesus being racist? Does he need to know that Canaanite lives matter? You see, his behaviour seems offensive. Now, you might be tempted to cut these verses out of the Bible, if you're that way inclined, or at the very least ignore them. But of course, we shouldn't do that, should we? The Bible doesn't need us to correct it. It's God's word, after all. The Bible is there to correct us. You see, instead, when a part of the Bible seems wrong to us, when it makes us feel uncomfortable, well, that is often God, by his Holy Spirit, trying to get our attention. You see, he's urging us to wrestle with the passage, to see what he says, so that he may correct our 21st century cultural blind spots. You see, here's the thing. Like a teacher or a parent who doesn't respond immediately to every cry of help because they want their pupil or their child to have a go themselves and to grow in confidence, well, so Jesus wants this woman also to grow in her faith, to grow in her confidence by wrestling with this issue spiritually, 
by almost pushing her to the limit. Not past it, but to it. And as a result, she will not only have her prayer answered, but she will also grow in knowledge and understanding of God and his work. In fact, Jesus will commend her for her faith in verse 28. May that be true of us too. You see, that's why Matthew includes this incident in his account of the gospel. So we may grow in knowledge and understanding of God and his work in Jesus Christ. So let's have a look at these verses in a bit more detail and then see how they apply to us also. So in verses 21 and 22, right back there at the start, they say that Jesus had just left somewhere previous, the previous place that he was. Um, we read in the previous verses that he actually had a disagreement with the teachers of the law. They were being hypocritical and trying to nullify God's law. So now he had come to a new area, he'd withdrawn to it. And that was an area that wasn't Jewish. And verse 22 tells us, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. This woman was distraught. Her daughter was suffering terribly. So she comes to Jesus, knowing that he is able from what she's heard. Please have mercy, she asks. And what does he do? Well, the very next verse tells us he ignored her. He was silent. Unlike you and me, his disciples were a bit uncomfortable with this. They urged Jesus just to deal with her. She's causing a scene. Give her what she wants so she'll leave us alone. And Jesus' reply to his disciples, well, it's a bit strange to our ears. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus says no. He won't heal this woman's daughter. He won't even respond to her. He's just here to help the Israelites. He's not supposed to help her. And that sounds shocking to us, doesn't it? In fact, that's more than shocking. It sounds worrying to us as well. You see, like most people listening to this reflection, I'm not Jewish. I'm what the Bible calls a Gentile. I'm like this Canaanite woman. And if Jesus refuses to answer her pleading, because she's not Jewish, then surely he won't answer my pleading when I pray to him. In fact, is this why some of my prayers are unanswered? And the ones that are answered, well, are they just coincidences like my atheist friends tried to claim? In fact, am I even allowed to follow Jesus? Should I continue doing ministry? It's starting to feel like everything is about to fall down around me. If God won't answer my prayers because I'm not Jewish, well, there's no point in worshipping him. Well, the woman didn't think that, did she? In verse 25, she gets down on her knees and simply pleads, Lord, help me. She's desperate. Jesus is her final hope. Everything else has failed. Nothing else has worked. And she can feel this slipping through her fingers as well. The fear is surely rising. And Jesus' reply to her pleading in verse 26, well, it sounds like it's all over. It's not right, he says, to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You see, Israel were God's children. They were the ones who were sitting at this figurative table. And this Canaanite woman wasn't. She was the equivalent of a dog, not even human. But then the woman, well, she says something in reply 
that probably made the disciples drop their minds. Verse 27, yes, Lord. And even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You see, this woman, even though she was a Canaanite, she understood something that the disciples, in fact, even the teachers of the law in the previous verses haven't grasped. This woman isn't trying to contradict Jesus or ask for an exception. She's actually agreeing with them. She agrees that Israel is God's chosen nation, that Jesus is the Messiah for the Jews, their promised saviour. But she also sees that there's somehow, somehow an overflowing of blessing from God's people to everyone else. You see, the Jews, well, they were supposed to be a light for the nations. There are still crumbs available for others. She accepts what God reveals about himself and how he works in the world. But she also grasps something of God's character, that he is merciful, that his grace overflows, abounds, and that is what she holds on to. You see, just think about it, how easy it is, isn't it, for those of us who want to disagree with God, as if we know better. It's easy, isn't it, to say, oh, I don't really like that bit. I don't want to believe that bit. I don't like that bit of the Bible. It's not very PC. But actually, that's not the way of faith. That's the way of rebellion. We don't know better. God does, because he is God. You see, this woman, she accepted God and asked for help on his terms, not hers. And how did Jesus respond to this faith? Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Imagine the next time you prayed, you knew that that is what Jesus thought about you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? You see, that is the way of faith, trusting in Jesus and trusting in God's ways. But actually, how much better it is for us. You see, this Canaanite woman, well, she lived before the cross. We, but we know what Jesus' death means. She didn't understand that. You see, we know that Jesus' death opened up a way for all people, not just the Jews, to be God's people. Paul says this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 18. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Like that woman knew, Jesus came first for the Jews, but his blessings overflow to us as well. But actually it's better than that. You see, if you're a Christian, if you trust in Jesus, well then you've been engrafted, you've been added in, you've been adopted to the people of Israel, to God's people. And all of the blessings, Old Testament and New, are ours because of Jesus. So when we pray, we can pray with confidence, unlike this poor lady, because we know God is merciful, and we also know that his blessings overflow and we are his people. Isn't that wonderful? And finally, this also actually means that we can pray for people who aren't Christians, for our friends and for our relatives, and we can pray for them with hope. You see, God's grace abounds to them as well, even though they're not his people. 
And hopefully, as a result, as we pray for them and let them know, and as they see our prayers being answered, well, hopefully they will come to know the source of all blessing. They will come to trust in Jesus for themselves. They'll stop eating crumbs under the table and start to enjoy the feasting with the master above. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your grace abounds. That even though people who are not your people, that they are still able to gather up the crumbs under your table. Thank you, Father, for that. We really aren't worthy of that, but Father, thank you so much that that is true. Thank you, Father, that we know what it is to have faith in you. We know what it is, Lord, to understand that Jesus died for us. Thank you, Lord, for that as well. And thank you, Lord, that we can be engrafted into your people, added in, adopted. So actually we can have the promises, the blessings of feasting with you at your table. So Father, we thank you for these things. We praise you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, take care and I'll see you soon. God bless.